Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet and I'm here with Rachel Madel. Rachel, how's it going? It's great, Chris. It's it's springtime. It's so nice. I feel like the flowers are blooming and it's just, it's lovely. Rachel, so have you heard of this kind of recent phenomenon? I know you have your finger on the pulse of this stuff with uh, Instagram and social media. Have you heard of the opposite challenge? No. The opposite challenge? No. Wait, I got one on you that you haven't heard of? You do. You do. Okay, so let me tell you about the opposite challenge because I saw some speech therapists sharing this. So what it is is essentially it's a Google Slides presentation where you share the op... Well, hold on. Wait. Give me one second. Let me pull it up. Great. Okay, so here's an example of one. Okay, so the idea is the first slide just kind of explains what this is. And the idea is that you give a student uh, your this Google slide presentation, right? You can have visuals if you want to. I didn't in this particular one. And the idea is you just provide the opposite. Because you know how when you're trying to teach language, you you need to talk about the relationships with, with words, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go to like the second slide, if you wouldn't mind, you'll see the second slide is always. So what's the opposite of always? Sometimes. Okay. Never, never, never. never. <laughs> I was like in the middle. <laughs> I don't like yes. these tests, Chris. <laughs> well, okay. What about the next one? See, and then you see how I'm picturing like these are core words, right? So you could have pictures around the side. So what's the opposite of coming? Going. Going, right? And then the opposite of from? <laughs> I don't know. From? To? Two, yeah, of course, right? Like on a letter or something. This is exactly what you want the kids doing, though, is thinking about it, maybe finding it on their communication device. Okay. Uh, there's only You only do six, and then you get like a video reinforcer to say, yeah, I got them right, you know? Okay. Uh, kind of like a video that explains what the right answers are. So here is, um, so it was always was never, uh, coming is going, from and to, take. Give? Mm-hmm, yeah. And then. The opposite of me is you. You, and then down is up. So then you look at the video and you see if you got it right. Is this the video? Yeah. I'm confused. I'm really confused about this. Still, this is on social media. Totally. This is the this is the challenge. It was never. Always. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Always was never. Okay. Never going to give you up. Oh my god! I love this song. Can we play the video? Yes. Oh, my God. I saw Rick Astley, and I was like, I know who this is. (laughs) Okay. Stop it there. Oh, Rachel, I just Rickrolled you. Have you ever heard of being Rickrolled? Yeah, you did. Listen, you're so good. I'm so naive that, like, you've got me every time. I'm like, what is this? This is on social media? (laughs) You're just too good at this, and I'm just too naive, okay? It's not fair. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I was like, I got to, I did it to the kids last night and they were, they totally, they're like, oh, dad, you rickrolled. It's like, oh, I got to do this with Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you listen, I like, I'm always, I'm always getting tricked by you, Chris, somehow, <laughs> somehow you've always got some trick up your sleeve and I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. This is a little fishy. And then it's like, by the time I figured it out, it's like, I've already gotten, gotten duped. <laughs> Well, so that, I thought that was a little, a little fun way we could start off this. Or, you know, maybe we'll just do that separate for the Patreon. We'll let Michaela decide. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, so that's, that's uh, there is no such thing as the opposite challenge. That was me just making it up so I could do, pull this prank on you. Yeah. For, what is it, April Caroline Fool's Day? Caroline Musselweight. 
Caroline Musselwhite said I'm supposed to pull pranks on people. I got permission from her to do it. So well, I guess I'm gonna have to reach out to Caroline then, <laughs> or or get me back. Bring it on. You I know? know. I need to sit down. But see, here's the thing: like these things come so naturally to you. Like I would have to spend a lot of energy sitting down with like a huge cup of coffee and like a notebook, trying to plan out how I can get you. But you know yeah. what? I'm going to. It's going on my to do list. <laughs> Okay, so now, seriously, seriously, I am going to bring us down from from an 11 to a 2 because um, I do have sad news, and this is completely serious, is that we did have sad news this week in the, in the world of AAC, well, in the week of uh, we're recording, and that is um, my, my really good friend and longtime mentor, Bruce Baker, passed away. And uh, did you ever get to meet Bruce, Bruce, Rachel? No, I never got to meet him, but he Facebook friended me, and I felt like I like died and gone to heaven. I was like, oh my God, an AAC legend just asked to be my friend on Facebook. And I mean, he's done such amazing work for this field, and it's just so sad to see that he's passed, but he's left such a mark on our community and our field. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, I can't tell you how many ideas and he just, uh, he's such a uh, remarkable man um, in, in his passion for sharing for one. And then two, how much he changed the field by developing MinSpeak. And then um, for me personally, I mean, I know everyone's sharing stories, so I have to share my own, my own is that um, I remember I went to, there was this thing called, and it still, it still exists, the Pittsburgh language learning seminars. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, I got to stay at Bruce's house and I slept in his basement. And I remember laying there thinking, I learned about this guy in college and now I'm in his basement, you know? And then let's fast forward a few years is when I got a, a tweet from him saying, hey, Chris, we're, we're reaching out to you. And he invited me to go to Australia with him. And I toured around doing presentations with him around Australia. I mean, that is just being able to spend that time with him. Um, of course, we bonded and became super close. I mean, I shared not just a, uh, a, his basement. I shared a hotel room with the guy, you know, yeah. and just just sit up late at night, you know, knowing we have a presentation to do in the morning and we're sitting there on the edge of our beds. Um, and he's telling me stories about the early days of AAC. And he had a way of telling stories that uh, the best way I can describe it is he would say, all right, Chris, we're going from Miami to New York by way of Denver, you know, and he would tell this long story and then come back around and he'd end up at the, just where he said you were going. And you would, it was so mentally tasking to like stay with him and be like, hey, where is he going with this? And what connections is he making? And then he would get there and you'd be like, oh my gosh, that was brilliant, you know? And so I just learned so much from, if anyone's seen any presentations I've done, there's a number of slides that he's allowed me to use and I've adapted and say adapted from Bruce Baker. And it's just so such an influence on my career. So, um, so thank you, Bruce. And, um, I'm gonna, I, I don't mind admitting that when I heard that he passed, that I just kind of went into the bedroom, <laughs> said minute, I need every minute, everybody, and just had a moment because he was that inspirational to me. I know, I know. And it was, um, it was really wonderful to see everyone posting on social media and the outpouring, um, you know, that we saw, just on how much of an impact he had on everyone's lives. Um, you know, obviously his work, but I feel like it was so much bigger than that. And it was just really um, heartwarming to see how he's touched so many people. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bruce, you will be missed. Thank you for everything. Absolutely. <sighs> 
All right, so I've got other stuff to discuss, but we also have other things. I know you have some stuff to discuss too, right? So tell me about these new uh, groups that you started. What's going on with that? Yeah, we're actually launching some virtual speech and language groups, which I'm really excited to announce. Um, You know, geography is not a thing anymore because we're all doing things through the internet. So um, I figured that I might as well open up uh, our services in my business to anyone who lives in California or Pennsylvania, the two states that I'm licensed in. Um, And I'm really excited because I've done some kind of beta testing of these types of groups with various uh, groups of, of, of kids. And I'm really excited because I feel like they've been pretty successful as a way to, you know, of course, teach skills to both communication partners and to the kids that are joining. But it's a really cool way to socialize. I feel like right now kids are not getting the socializing. All kids are not getting the socializing that they should be getting. Um, And I think it makes it even more challenging for kids who are using AAC to communicate. Um, And so it's been really cool to have students see each other um, and communicate with each other and say hello to each other. Um, And so that's been really fun for me. In addition to, of course, like targeting core words and teaching communication partner skills and working with parents and families, um, it's been really cool to think about how can we create experiences for kids um, in a group setting that we wouldn't necessarily be able to do any any other way, right? Like a lot of these families are from different parts, um, you know, of the state. And so it's been really fun and exciting to try something new and to try to figure out how to make something like that successful. So let me ask you some follow-up questions there because now you've got my mind reeling. So in the groups, um, first of all, how do you match up the kids in groups? And then second, do you have any kids that are in both Pennsylvania and California, meaning they're in the same group? I mean, so no, because I actually just like thought about Pennsylvania because I like, oh, wait, I'm actually licensed in another huge state Um, (laughs) because I don't really think about that. Um, So no. And to be honest, I think that's the hardest part is figuring out what groups to match kids with. Um, And to be honest, like my the, the group experiences that weren't as successful, it was because we didn't do the matching right. And so it's like, that's the challenging part is trying to figure out who goes in what group because, you know, you can have like the most extensive intake form in the world, but you still don't really know like where a child's skill level is. Um, And so I think that that's been part of the challenge is figuring out how we're going to do this. So right now I just have people like, going to my website, which is rachelmado.com backslash virtual. And they're just applying, just giving us some basic information. Um, and then we're sending, you know, follow-up information and we're trying to figure out how we're going to, you know, organize all the, all of the applications and all of the, you know, people that are hopefully interested and going to try to sign up. Um, so it's kind of in the initial stages right now, but I'm really excited at the idea of it and to continue to build it out. Cool, cool. So um, it seems to me, uh, now you had told me about this before, but not in the detail that you just said now that you were, you were you know, thinking of doing this and starting this. And it seems to me that it's so limiting that you can only do California and Pennsylvania. In this world where geography doesn't really mean anything, what does state licensure mean? And it always has bothered me that I, where I currently live, 
I am, well, first of all, I used to live in West Virginia and work in Virginia. I'm licensed in Virginia, but not West Virginia. So even though I lived in West Virginia and I'm five minutes over the line, I could not practice in West Virginia. Like what, the people are somehow different, like no, or my skills are somehow meant more in Virginia than in West Virginia. And so now, especially, especially now, it doesn't seem to make sense to me that we have state licensure instead, or or there should be uh, reciprocity across just every state, you know? Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? What are you feeling? Absolutely. I mean, it's really limiting as a practitioner. Um, like you said, we, geography is meaningless when you're all on the internet, you know? I mean, I guess it, we have to think about time zones, but other than that, it's like, it's all the same. And so you know, obviously there's state, there's state issues. States want us to pay for the license. Um, and so, you know, I, I am curious how that's going to change given all of the things happening and evolving with telepractice. I definitely would love to see more reciprocity. And, um, I forget who I ran into. I ran into, uh, who did I run into when I was presenting it? Um, Pennsylvania Speech and Hearing Associations Conference. Oh my goodness. She does disaster relief stuff for, yes, Amy Goldman. Amy Goldman and I had a conversation um, that we were talking about and she was mentioning this idea of having a like telepractice license. So they need a certain amount of states to um, join. Essentially, I think it's like 26 states need to agree, but then you could you know, theoretically pay for like a more universal license to practice. And at least those 26 states, um, you would have access to be able to practice in those states. I don't know where we're at with that. I haven't talked to Amy since last year when I saw her um, at that conference, but I feel like that's a really good idea and initiative so that we're able to help more people. Cause the reality is, you know, we, it, it comes from a really great place, right? We want to help more people and we don't want to have to be confined by state lines. So hopefully something like that, you know, is expedited uh, at a time like this. Well, and, and beyond that, it, it is that uh, some states have a surplus, it's very rare, but there's surplus of speech language pathologists or they have a uh, certain areas have more speech there, speech language pathologists than others. So there'd be other places, I mean, I think of very rural places that it'd be hard to get speech therapy because there might not be somebody there. And especially if you're looking at AAC, right? We've had that mm -hmm. conversation before about like selecting AAC devices and doing evaluations. So why wait? You know, if there's people like like you who are starting groups and you could do it in, you know, rural Montana or wherever, you know, then why not? You know? And I also love the idea of the diversity of that, right? Like how cool would it be for kids to have a kid from Montana, from New York, from Florida, from California? I just like the idea of kids learning about different parts of the country and having friends in different parts of the country. Because um, I think that that diversity is really valuable to a learning experience. I don't know. I don't think it's possible to make friends with people from across the country unless you have met them first face to face. It's just not possible. <laughs> lies, Chris, lies. <laughs> yeah, I think we're living proof, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We totally are. Uh, all right. So, so, so is there a way that people, if they are like, well, wait a second, I, I live in California or I live in, I live in Pennsylvania. Is there a way that they can reach out to you and say, yeah, 
yeah, sign me up, Rachel. I want my kid to be in one of your groups or I'd like to, what's the, what's the best way for people to figure that out? So they go to the website, rachelmadel.com backslash virtual. And it's just a few questions. You put your name and your email, your child's age and what your child's working on. Cause that's the other thing is, you know, we have like kids who want AAC stuff, but also articulation and all these different things. And so, um, that's kind of the initial stage. And then we're taking those and organizing them and reaching out to families. And I'm trying to figure out the intake process and how this is all going to work. Um, so TBD, how it's all going to shake out. But this first step is just saying, Hey, I'm interested in this. Like, I want to know more information. Gotcha. Okay. So there's no obligation. You just go to rachelmadel.com slash virtual and answer a couple questions. And it doesn't mean you're signing up for anything. No. It just means that you're, uh, you're putting your name in the hat to be considered because maybe it would be a good match. Definitely. Exactly. And um, yeah, is this would be especially good for families who are really interested in a element of parent coaching, because that is something that I feel really strongly about. Um, you know, it's not all going to be parent coaching, but there's going to be an element to that and skills that we're practicing with children in real time. Um, you know, of course, in addition to reading fun books and watching fun videos and doing fun activities, I also want parents to feel like they're learning how to support their children with AAC. Um, and so, Anyway, it's, it's a really good fit for a family who, um, you know, maybe is saying, ah, oh, like, I really want to have somebody help me along the process and help coach me how to use this device when session, the session ends. Um, so yeah, I think that that's something that not only is important with these virtual groups, but just generally any family that I decide to work with has to be, has to be on board with, you know, practicing at home and learning skills. And cause that's a huge part of the the, the therapeutic process. Well, I know I just got off of a, um, just like pff, a couple hours ago, I did a session on coaching and we had that conversation yet again, that, that uh, the people in the, that were participating with me in that particular webinar, we were discussing the idea that coaching is the way to go, uh, to have the best outcomes, you know? So, and the parents are the ones you really need to coach the most because they're with the kids the most. They're the, going to be the most stable entity in the student's life. So I think it's, I think it's a, like the perfect match, you know? So I, I just hope we can get the, 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 the licensing worked out in, uh, in more states because more people could benefit from it. And I have to tell you, I've been doing parent coaching. Um, so this is just one-on-one -on -one coaching with parents. Um, often it's not speech therapy. It's really just training parents. And I have to tell you, Chris, like my parents who have shown up and like really have committed to doing this, it's amazing to see the kind of progress that they've made. Um, you know, it's obviously a challenging time with, you know, all the stuff with the pandemic and stay at home and virtual learning and all these things. But like the parents that have said like, yes, let's do this, man, we're seeing really, really awesome gains um, which is super exciting because I feel like it just reaffirms, you know, months ago when I did that telepractice and AAC webinar and I said all children are good candidates for telepractice, it just reaffirms like, yes, like I am doing telepractice with all of my clients and it's really successful. 
So, do you know, I'm seeing stuff on Facebook and on social media where families are saying, have you seen, is anyone else experiencing their kids having an explosion in language during this, this quarantine? And now, first of all, if you're not, don't feel bad, but some people are experiencing that. And I, they, the question is, why? I understand you're, you're actually away from the people that are doing the most support in schools or who we would have thought was doing the most support in schools. Um, and, but they're exploding now at home. And I can only process that out thinking, okay, well, the people at home have now become used to modeling on the communication device and they're doing it more with more regularity and more consistency where there might be people in school that are not there yet. Either they haven't been coached, they're not doing it with any regularity. Um, and so, of course, because you're in this environment and everyone's doing it and you have that consistency, you see this language explosion. I mean, does that sound right? Yeah, it sounds exactly right. Um, and I think it's so funny because I feel like we know this, Chris, and we've been talking about this for a long time, but I think it's just slow to adopt. I think it's just this idea of speech therapy as something that I take my kid to and the speech therapist you know, teaches them how to communicate. I think that's just so ingrained in everyone that it's hard to think differently. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say this again. I said it when I did that webinar. I think we have a really great opportunity here to, you know, be in a child's kitchen when we're, we're talking about, you know, mealtime routines and what words to model. And so I just think it's such a great opportunity to really change, change parents' perspective on, you know, what speech therapy is and what speech therapy looks like, especially for kids who are using AAC. And the asynchronous part too. I know you've talked about that before where a, a, a parent might send a little video and you watch that video and give feedback on that and you don't even have to do that in real time. And I, uh, a lot of the stuff that I see presented on social media um, from other speech therapists are ways you can do direct therapy through, through the telepractice, which is fine. Great to have those strategies. I know you've shared some too, like how to, how to do stuff with Zoom, right? Um, which is great. I'd want it a, a balance, I think, of, of that plus the coaching so that it's not the feel that, okay, we're going to supplement what you're doing with, with um, direct teletherapy. We are going to do more coaching if we can, if we can. Every, uh, circumstances are different for everybody, but if we can, we'd want to lean on the coaching first, not the direct therapy first. At least that's my take on it. And I have to say, like, I've had parents actually, so I've been recording some of my sessions and we're going to be posting them on my social media. Um, but I've had parents who have said, oh my gosh, I watched the video back and I noticed I didn't pause or I noticed that I, you know, jumped to asking a question and it's so powerful for us to watch ourselves back on video. And I said to, you know, this specific mom that I'm thinking about, I said, I'm going to watch back this coaching call and I'm going to notice things that I could have done differently. I'm going to notice when I gave you the answer instead of asked you a reflective question. And so I'm like, it's just part of the process. This is part of the process of, you know, figuring out how to support your, your child and building that awareness and building that understanding of these concepts. Um, and so it's just so cool. And I feel like, you know, if you're coaching in real time, you don't always have that power, right? Because you kind of have to tell people what to do in real time instead of looking back on something and really, you know, asking strategic questions so that people come to the answer on their own and they start noticing these things on their own. That's where the true power is, right? I agree. It comes from within. Yep. 
yeah. So it's been really cool. I've been like, it's, it's been a challenge through these times, but I also have been so excited at all of the parents I've been able to coach and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really successful. And a lot of my kids are making tons of progress. The ones that I'm, you know, able to do coaching with for sure are making a lot of gains. Rachelmeadle.com slash virtual. You heard it here. Sign up. Do it. Do it. <laughs> It'll be fun. I promise. Now, while you're on your computer and you're searching for things, you could also search for the Talking With Tech Facebook group. So facebook.com slash Talking With Tech. You can also check out our brand new website. There's been a lot of work going on. People have been asking about, hey, what, um, you know, Patreon, you know, we've been signing with the Patreon. What is, what are some things you're doing with that money? Here it is. We have launched a brand new website. It's, you want to say it, Rachel? Because I know you've had a big hand in putting this together. Talkingwithtech.org. That is our brand new website. I am so proud of it. It's taken so many hours and gone through so many iterations, um, you know, and our team has been working tirelessly to backlog all of the past episodes that we've had, but it is beautiful. I am so proud of it and you definitely should check it out. Um, It's really exciting that it's finally here. I feel like we've been working on this for months and months, um, you know, with the ideas and the design and all the things, but but yeah, definitely, definitely go check out our new website, talkingwithtech.org. And I have to say, I know this is stuff we've talked about, you know, since the conception of the podcast for, you know, how long we've been doing this. We said, we need a really good website that's slick and looks good. And yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. And if it, it was really the Patreon members that their support was able to push us over the top and say, okay, this is the time. This We can do this. We can make this happen. So thank you all Patreon members and everyone who listens, but particularly the Patreon members who are supporting us, um, not just by listening, but also by providing just a little bit of funds that help us uh, make the experience better for everybody. So make experience for better for everybody, really. Like anyone, any listener can now go to that website and check out, check out all the different, uh, um, all the past episodes are there. Well, many of the past episodes are there. We're not a hundred percent. We're working towards getting that, that up and running. Um, but many of the old episodes are there. So check it out again at talkingwithtech.org. Can I shout out some of our Patreon members, our new ones? Please. We have Kristen, we have Tara, Tara Weininger, who was just on last, or was it last week's episode? Two weeks ago, Sophie's Run. Um, She became a Patreon member. Thank you so much. Um, Sarah, Amanda, Jennifer, really excited to have you guys on our Patreon. We're really pumped. I get so excited, Chris, for the Patreon content because it's kind of like behind the scenes and like it feels like this exclusive thing. Um, So we definitely have fun creating Patreon uh, content for you guys. So if you're interested in going to our Patreon, it's patreon.com backslash talking with tech. And again, Chris already mentioned how your support helped create this website and it's going to help continue to create lots of great things. Um, And so I'm just really excited and grateful that we have such an amazing community that's able to come together and support this podcast. So Rachel, take us into the interview. What uh, what are we going to hear today in the interview? So I had the fortune of interviewing Brittany Rowland. She is the co-creator. Her and her husband created the most adorable book, Chris. It's called Lucas the Lion and His Tiny Talker. And it is, it's just such a cute story about a lion who uses a device to communicate. And what's even cooler is that it has a, remember those, those books? I feel like I remember them when I was younger, um, where it kind of has like all the circle buttons. And so like you'd be reading and then it would be like, you know, you'd hit the horn and like it would make the sound. Um, that's kind of what it looks like, but it's this little like removable detail attachable 
AAC device. <laughs> and so like, it's so fun to use with kids. I love it as a social story. I also love it. Um, I do a lot of work in classrooms and preschool classrooms, especially. And um, oftentimes when you have a student who's using a device in a preschool classroom, the mainstream preschool classroom, all the kids are so like intrigued by this device and they touch it and they're like, you know, mesmerized by the iPad. And so it's a really great story to share with an entire classroom to start the conversation about, you know, so-and-so uses a device to communicate. You know, we use words, they use their device. You can talk about modeling. And so I've used it in my practice in that way and seen so much success. Um, I think it's such a cute idea. And, you know, in the interview, we talk all about, you know, how it came to fruition and um, just kind of the genesis of it as a parent of a child with complex communication needs. Well, I can't wait to listen to your interview with Brittany Rowland. Do you feel like you spend all of your time writing assessment reports? We know that one of the hardest things about assessments is the time it takes to write up the report. That's why we've partnered with Double Time Docs, an online software that can help you write your speech and language reports faster. You simply answer multiple choice questions, fill in the blanks, and short answers, and a fully written report is generated automatically. It may seem like magic, and in a way, it is. Sophisticated technology generates paragraphs and scoring charts, speeding up your report writing dramatically. And they've even built out an AAC portion that focuses specifically on AAC device trialing and selection. But don't take our word for it. You can check out the reviews on their website, doubletimedocs.com, by clicking on the Capterra link. Join thousands of therapists and save hours of time writing your evaluation reports with Double Time Docs. Just go to doubletimedocs.com to sign up for a free 30-day trial to try it out for yourself. Don't forget to use the promo code TWT2020 to get one free doc credit. That's TWT2020. Check them out at DoubleTimeDocs.com. Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined today by Brittany Rowland. Brittany is a mom to Lucas, and I'm really excited to talk all about your son, Lucas. Um, but she's also the co-creator of Tiny Talker, which is a 12-button pre-recorded introductory to AAC. Um, it's a little book. It's about a lion. I'm obsessed with it. Um, Brittany, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited that you came onto the podcast to talk with us. Um, you guys were nice enough to send me a copy of this book. Uh, and I have to say, I've been using it in my practice and I really love it. Um, I've been Aww. using it specifically with preschoolers. Um, I will mm -hmm. do a language lesson with the entire preschool staff uh, yes. or preschool classroom. And it's so such an amazing way to talk about AAC use, to talk about our little friend who might use a communication device to, to right. communicate. Um, so I just love the book. Oh, I love to hear that because that's exactly how we envisioned that it would be used. So that's awesome to hear. So let's just kind of go back. Let's talk about your son, Lucas, sure. um, who's now seven years old. Yeah, he's about to turn seven, yes. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So tell mm -hmm. us all about that journey, um, his diagnosis, eventually starting AAC use? Sure. So um, I had a normal pregnancy with Lucas. Um, he's my second child. I had no complications with the first child either. Um, and so when he was born, there were no issues. We were released from the hospital in two days like normal. And 
And uh, then he just started not meeting developmental milestones. And um, my husband and I were concerned about it pretty early on because he wasn't our first child. So we were able to see some differences. The, the first thing that we noticed was a lack of eye contact. Um, and so we started bringing these things up with the pediatrician. And at first he wasn't concerned. And then he began to get more and more concerned. So our journey involved going first to see a pediatric ophthalmologist to make sure that he wasn't blind. Uh, which turns out, it's very interesting, actually, that they can check that on babies, but the pediatric ophthalmologist cleared him and said, no, actually, he has very normal sight. So then uh, we got referred at four months of age to uh, three providers in the same visit. It was a neurologist, a uh, geneticist, and uh, early childhood intervention for therapy services. So through the course of that journey, uh, we had a brain MRI done of Luke. He was about six months old. And um, they diagnosed him with something called Joubert syndrome. And this is a super rare medical condition. It's, a, it's genetic. It causes the vermis of the cerebellum to be underformed, which means that the vermis is kind of like a control center. It regulates all kinds of things, uh, not the least of which is eye movement, speech, coordination, and balance. So we have global developmental delays in all of those areas. But the good news is that you treat all of these things the same, which is therapy. So you just do therapy and you um, give the best shot that you can at, um, at catching up on the developmental delays. And, and he's always going to have some of these issues. But so he didn't walk, just to give you some frame of reference, he, didn't, he walked with a walker for a long time. And then he didn't walk independently until he was about three and a half. Mm. And he was completely nonverbal um, until... I want to say close to around five, and he would say some things, um, but they weren't intelligible. Um, and so even now at almost seven, he's very hard to understand. So I, I'm sure it was one of the ECI um, speech therapists working in conjunction with a vision therapist that we have that first introduced us to PECS, and that kind of started our journey with AAC. Okay, so, but he wasn't introduced to PECS until five years old? No, I want to say that was pretty early. That okay. was before he was out of ECI, so that was pre three. Okay, um, I was like, oh, no. Oh, uh, no. Late. That's late. <laughs> no. No. Amazing. And what is, is he using a communication system now? So our journey started with PECS, and he was actually very good at PECS. The idea of they just taught him with um, things that were on the picture, and then he would be asking for that thing and a ball or something, and it worked really well. But then he needed more advanced language than that. He needed um, to be able to say more than just the few things. And so then I actually don't remember who it was, but I'm sure it was one of the ECI speech therapists. Um, she introduced us to an app. And so that's how we started, uh, was through an app on an iPad. But the problem is Luke was a kid. And if you hand a kid an iPad, then he really doesn't want to do the speech app. And so he would navigate out of it, or if I would try and lock him in the speech app, he'd get really frustrated. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a no-go. So then mm -hmm. my husband and I asked, can we do a dedicated device? So then we went through that process of trying to get approved for and the funding for and insurance all on board with a dedicated device, which we did receive. It's great, but it also has its limitations. The limitations for us were that um, it's heavy. And he was like three years old. And the idea of him carting this around a preschool was not really functional. And then also in his mind, 
he could talk. Mm -hmm. So it was hard for him to want to use the device. It was a constant struggle for us. He had the capacity, he had the intellectual capacity to be able to use it and to remember where all the buttons were, but he didn't want to use it. And that was the struggle for us. So all of that led to the genesis of the idea, actually, uh, for the tiny talker. One day, Luke was, we were all kind of sitting around the dinner table, and he was playing with one of those little handheld um, sound machines. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're little. But, um, and it had all these different silly noises, and he was really entertained by that. And my husband was like, why doesn't that exist for speech? I don't understand why something that easy and inexpensive doesn't it exist for speech. And so we started Googling it and we were looking for it and we couldn't find anything, not anything inexpensive anyway. Um, and so we set out to see if we could figure out how to make it. And, and so we did. And I, I think that was in 2016. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So for people who haven't seen the Tiny Talker, can you just go mm-hmm. through and explain what it looks like and give kind of an a overview? Right, sure. So the Tiny Talker is a 12-button pre-recorded handheld speech aid. It's really lightweight. It's about the size and shape of an iPhone. It has uh, individual dividers in in between the different buttons, and the buttons are pre-recorded to say certain things that were things that we felt like typical kids uh, would want to say on a daily basis. Um, So to run through them, it's, I'm sorry, more. I'm thirsty, no, help, all done, television, I want to play, I'm hungry, yes, hurt, and bathroom. Um, And so it was kind of a fun family project. Our daughter is actually the voice on the device. And so we, we set about to just see what would happen. We manufactured these, we put them on the market at what we thought was an affordable price. Uh, we found some retailers that were interested in it, um, special needs essentials being the big one. And uh, we started selling it. And then about a year, maybe not a year, maybe about six months later, my husband had another idea. Uh, both of these are his idea. Um, but the idea was the book. What if we taught kids how to use this, um, the tiny talker, through a book that basically is a social story that goes through Lucas the lion, who's nonverbal, who gets frustrated when he can't communicate. And then he, um, his mom brings him the tiny talker and he goes through how he uses it in a day to communicate with people. And so now, you know, it has taken off from just the device. And now we have the book that comes with a detachable device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I love that the most because it gives context. It, there's so right. many different ways to use it in your practice. As I had mentioned, I use it um, during a circle time at a preschool mm-hmm. for a child. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm seeing who uses an AAC device in the classroom um, mm-hmm. as a way to teach other students about mm-hmm. what it's like to use a device to communicate. Um, right. Of course, you can use it with children who are using a device to communicate and who don't understand yet that I can't necessarily understand what you're saying. So there's a breakdown in communication. So we need right. a backup system, which it sounds like right. kind of what happened with your son or is happening. Let's circle right. back to that because I'm interested. Is he consistently using a device at this point? So now his primary, um, his primary device now is verbal. He, he's, mm-hmm. he's more and more verbal. His teachers at school are familiar enough with his, 
voice uh, to understand what he's saying. And mm-hmm. they're teaching him to use a keyboard um, mm-hmm. so that he can start. I mean, writing is always going to be difficult for him because of the fine motor skills required. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they've switched their focus a little bit towards using a keyboard. I love that. Um, and it's such a hard thing because you know, it's one thing if a child is completely non-speaking, does not have mm-hmm. a lot of words, or they don't come quickly. But for right. kiddos who just have severe intelligibility issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just like I can imagine the frustration that they experience when they say mm-hmm. words. They have a word in their mm-hmm. head. You know, they right. put those words together and to form a sentence, and that sentence is just not understood by a listener. Um, right. It's just a lot of work to have to mm-hmm. go place and to communicate what you tried to say. Right. Um, such an extra layer of, you know, work associated right. with communicating a message. So I totally get it. <laughs> and it's hard on the parent too, because you want to help, but you don't understand. And so I've had to, we've had to learn our own um, mechanisms for keeping him less frustrated. One of which is really helpful is show me, you know, like, okay, I I didn't understand what he said. Can you show me? Um, And then lots of times that will, that will help. He'll just take me by the hand and show me what it is that he wants. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a learning process because yeah, he did have a lot of behavioral issues because of the frustration as I can imagine. Yeah. Completely. Are there mm-hmm. any other strategies that have worked to teach him to help mm-hmm. him communicate when there's a communication breakdown? Besides, you know, show show me is a great one because if it's something right. that's tactile and like right. in the environment, it's like okay, here's what I want, or acting it out, or something like right. that. But what about for times where he's trying to say something to you and you're like, have no idea, and he can't show me? No, I I, I wish I had a good answer. I really don't have a good answer to that. Um, sometimes if it's pretty obvious, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. I just redirect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works sometimes where I'm just like, okay, let's get a popsicle. You want a popsicle? You know, like yeah. sometimes I just redirect. Other times I can try and get him to use different words so mm-hmm. that maybe I can catch, catch it another way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't have... I'm not sure I have great advice for that other than the show me. (laughs) I know, I know. The different words is a good one. The other good thing to try to teach kids is to try to describe it. Um, Uh Sometimes takes more advanced language skills, right? Right. Uh, But talking about it and describing it, saying it looks like or it's Mm -hmm. like, um, kind Mm -hmm. of taking something else to compare it to. Um, When kids become literate, it starts with, um, Mm -hmm. you know, saying the letter it starts with. All these are strategies that you could potentially use, but... Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when the kids get a little bit older, so mm-hmm. it's going to be really nice when he's typing, right? When he can type yes. it out. Yes. Sure you're like, yes, I can't wait yes. for that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really more helpful for school than it is for day-to-day speech. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I guess I skipped over the idea that we did use sign language some too at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I forgot to say that. Yeah. Um, but, but again, with the gross motor delays and the fine motor delays too. We had to kind of make up our own signs for things. And the Mm -hmm. problem with sign language is that only people who know sign language understand it. So it wasn't a universal solution. Yeah. Um, But I I find that we still revert to that sometimes, he and I both, if we're... um, if we're communicating about something, you know, we'll both be like, all done, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. The other thing that's important to mention that you already talked about is this idea of not having kids say things, you know, more than two or three times, because right. what happens is every single time they try and say it, 
they get more and more frustrated. And I always give the example of when you have a bad connection with somebody on a phone call. Like Mm -hmm. this happens to me for whatever reason with my mom, because Mm -hmm. she has like, she lives in a dead zone. So Mm -hmm. cellular wise, she'll be like, huh, say it again. And like after the Uh second or third time, I'm so frustrated that I'm just like, I'll call you later. Like I can't do this right now. And so it's just like, that's what kids feel like all the time. That is a good example. Two or or three times. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you just need to like smile and be like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then move on. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and making sure obviously that you're giving kids a lot of positive feedback about their speech, because if they're constantly getting negative uh, reinforcement, right? Not purposely mm-hmm. by, by listeners, but when mm-hmm. someone's constantly like, huh, what? I don't know. Say right. it again. You know, that's mm-hmm. all negative feedback when, you know, we mm-hmm. open our mouths to talk. And so it's really important, especially for young ones who are starting to build awareness that their speech is not like other kids, um, right. making them feel really good about their speech and giving very target specific feedback. I love mm-hmm. the, when you tell me stories. I love the way that you said that. I heard such a good bus sound when you said that mm-hmm. word. Giving mm-hmm. very specific feedback so that kids feel empowered and excited to talk and they're going to continue right. to try to talk with us because right. so often kids just shut down because, and I don't blame them, you know, they right. have negative experiences with communication and so they're not going to want to do it as much as a child who's not getting negative experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the next the next phase. I know you said that something else is in the works, and I'm really excited to hear all about it. So we have, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it, actually, because we haven't talked about it yet. But uh, we actually have a new project in the works. The feedback that we have gotten over and over and over is, um, I wish there were a recordable version of this so that people could adapt it to their own needs. And so we, this spring, we're going to come to market with a recordable version of the Tiny Talker. It'll be the same size and shape, but you can record whatever you want to in the different buttons. Oh, that'll be really fun. Again, for a variety of purposes, I'm like thinking about some of the kiddos on my caseload who just would have a ball with something like that. Right. And, And frequently we've gotten feedback from teachers, for example, that say, I'd rather there not be a television button, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's right. It doesn't make sense in a classroom setting and they could adapt it to be things that made a lot more sense for their purposes. So Mm -hmm. um, we're really excited about that. We think it's going to be really popular because we've gotten that feedback a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. So the other thing, you know, obviously 12 button, a 12 button communication device is not a robust language system. Um, right. But what I think the value of this is, is getting parents sometimes on board with this idea, um, showing right. that something like this is possible um, mm-hmm. in a very non-threatening way. A book is so mm-hmm. non-threatening. Um, you mm-hmm. can read a book, you can talk about it, child can hit the button. Um, mm-hmm. So I can envision this in a therapy setting where mm-hmm. you know, a young child who is not being understood because their speech clarity isn't as, you know, isn't as good as it needs to be or right. don't have a lot of words, using that I think could be a really fun way to just open the conversation and the dialogue about right. alternative communication. Definitely. And we definitely envisioned it that way. We thought that it would be a good introductory device that would open the idea of this, both with the kid and with the parent and whoever else is on the team. But then that that would hopefully allow them to then advance into other options. It wasn't ever thought to be a one-stop shop that it would be an end-all be-all. 
uh, yeah. for speech. Yeah. And the conversation with parents sometimes is really challenging, especially if mm-hmm. children are pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have kids on my caseload who I start seeing at two, two and a half. And it's like mm-hmm. parents who have two-year-olds do not want to talk about a device for communication. They're like, right. uh-uh. like my kid's mm-hmm. going to talk, keep working on speech. Like that's what we're uh-huh. paying you to do. Right. And so it's just like, you know, I start incorporating visual supports and I, and I call them visual supports on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't say AAC. I say like, we're just going to use some of these visuals to help, right. you know, when he's frustrated, you can have more of an idea as to what he needs. Um, right. So I just, it's, it's a delicate conversation to have. Um, and I think that your product does a really great job of having those conversations in a more natural and fun and engaging way for kids, especially. Right. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, that was definitely the hope. We were frustrated ourselves um, with the solutions that we were finding, and none of them seemed to be ideal. And so that was the exact genesis of the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like for kids that were like our son, um, it, it seemed like there was a hole in the market to us from our perspective. And so we kind of wanted to see if we could fill it. Yeah. And I think you guys have done just that. I'm really excited to, to show everybody, you know, all of our listeners on the podcast, maybe we'll, uh, we'll post a a photo of the, uh, book and the tiny talker on our Facebook group. So if you guys haven't joined our Facebook group, please go join. So you can see how awesome this, this little book is. And thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on and talking to us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I love (laughs) hearing about your experience and I'm really excited to see what you guys come up with next. Um, you guys have been so nice to give away one of the books and the tiny talkers. So I'm so excited. If you guys are listening, please become a Patreon member because we're going to do this giveaway in our Patreon. You can go to bit.ly backslash TWG pod. Um, you also can go to patreon.com backslash talking with tech. There's two different ways that you can get to our Patreon site, uh, but we'll definitely give away uh, a copy of that in our Patreon. Um, Brittany, thank you again so much for coming on. We really appreciate you talking about your experience and talking about the tiny talker. Um, so thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having us. (laughs) For Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Mado, joined with Brittany Rowland. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.